Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. Wee woo, wee woo, emergency podcast time. Uh, Paul, as soon as we got to Nationals Park today, we thought the only thing we'd be talking about is the weather and this big three-game series against the Phillies. Not the case. The Nationals make two moves this afternoon, um, sending Daniel Murphy to Chicago to the Cubs and Matt Adams to St. Louis and the Cardinals. Welcome to the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano. Um, emergency pod, Paul. Uh, kind of called for it today, today's moves. Absolutely. Loved your intro, everything about it. I'm going to ask you to never start a podcast by saying wee-woo, wee-woo ever again. Wee-woo, wee-woo. Oh, did I just do it? Yep. Did I just you do it again? Just, you just did it. So go ahead and never do that. Mm, Pretty yeah. exciting stuff, though. We had to do an emergency podcast because none of us were expecting these trades to happen in the manner in which they happened and the timing of which they happened. Uh, Daniel Murphy being traded to the Cubs. Uh, tell me exactly what they got back, because that is the first and most more important deal. Well, Daniel Murphy goes to Chicago for a 21-year-old infielder by the name of Andrew Monasaterio. Monasaterio. Yeah. It's a tough Monasaterio. I'm going to go with that. Uh, oh, Andrew Monastery. And a player to be named later. They're going to be <laughs> looking at the Arizona Fall League this upcoming fall uh, for another player to take from the Cubs organization. And this guy is, you know, a 21-year-old. He's only been at single-A ball. Nothing to write home about. From the few reports that I read about him, Paul, utility infielder. He's projected as a utility infielder, so okay. that's, you know, if that's his ceiling, that's not great. Um, but he's apparently got a great glove. Defensive Defense is his go-to strength um, and has apparently hits the ball pretty hard, but, like, not for average or, or for any long balls, so to speak. So... You know, you're getting a defender back, I guess, utility defender, which is obviously Daniel Murphy is not, but you're trading in a bat for, you well, know, an all-star. A, yeah, a single A. Yeah, and then another player to come later, obviously. So you're basically right. getting two players for Daniel Murphy. Um, and then Matt Adams goes to St. Louis just for cash. Yeah. So the Nationals, with these two moves, clearing up some some money um, in the luxury tax area. Mike Rizzo wasn't too clear on what that means because I don't think he was even sure yeah. what it means. Um and obviously freeing up some payroll for the Nationals and looking ahead to 2019. Very interesting, both those trades. I think it's interesting because let's talk a strict, strict value perspective and whether they got good value because you have to talk that with trades. Then we'll talk big picture as to you know how this fits into their plan. You think that they could have gotten more, absolutely could have gotten more for Matt Adams had they traded him at the deadline, don't you think? Just three weeks ago, absolutely. Uh, he's a left-handed bat, which are – Coming off the bench are huge in the postseason. I think a lot of that we saw the Phillies trade for Justin Bohr, and he was hitting, what, 227 when they got him? These guys are hard to come by, and considering the year he was having, hitting 257, but he was hitting a lot of homers, you'd think that they could have gotten more for Matt Adams considering you would have gotten a couple months of this player as opposed to six weeks of this player. So, uh, I don't, you know, cash considerations. We'll see ultimately what they do with that money and how that affects them going forward, but. A uh, little disappointing, the return for Matt Adams. I would say it's kind of for both because Murphy's a multiple All Star. Yeah. He's when Silver healthy. Slugger. When he's healthy, he's the best hitter, 
natural hitter in the in all of baseball, I, I believe. And um, he was hitting a, 430 or 340, rather. 340 um, in the second half with five home runs and 17 yeah. RBIs. I mean, he was hitting a stride. And, I mean, that's also why the Cubs wanted him. And you think about him going to Chicago, he fits perfectly there because, you know, he could play first base. The, the Cubs have so many <laughs> – of those flexible players, yeah. players that can play all over the diamond, they can insert Murphy wherever he fits best or wherever he will play the best, yeah. and they can work around. You know, Javier Baez can shift around, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, they can move around to different positions. So it's a, actually a perfect fit for Murphy going to a contender. Not the same, the Nationals are completely out of it, but, you know, the Cubs are in first place and looking to um, look, look, lock up a one seed in the, in the NL. Um, yeah, and then for Adams, you know, he had 18 home runs and 48 RBIs. Now, in the second half, a little slower. He was only hitting 155 um, in 26 games, and that's partially due to uh, Ryan Zimmerman's better second half. Yep. So if you want to look at it at a positive standpoint, Paul, I guess you could say the Nationals traded away arguably their worst defender and a backup first baseman. So it's like on the face, if you put it like that, it's not terrible, but it's also kind of sending a message like mm, we're kind of conceding this, uh, this season because also – we're not getting a lot back in return. We're not making a big splash with these deals. Yeah, the this move, these both of these moves were not made in a vacuum. You have to consider what does this mean ultimately for the Nationals for 2018 and beyond. We know Daniel Murphy was an impending free agent. Apparently, they had no interest in re-signing him based on this trade. Uh, and Matt Adams only had a one-year contract, so you know he was could come and go. That was not a, a big issue. But Daniel Murphy, somebody who they invested a lot of money in a few years ago, gave him a three-year contract. He was This team was one of the few ones that was interested in him despite coming off in an excellent postseason. They appreciated that he was willing. this team was willing to take a chance on him. His Nationals tenure ends uh, just after two and a half very solid seasons. Um, it is very interesting, I think, because this team did not trade Bryce Harper. We should also mention that uh, he was reportedly claimed by the Dodgers, and they did not work out a deal. They pulled him back off of waivers, so he cannot and will not be traded after this. Yeah, and I think that was more kind of like we talked about, Paul, at the trade deadline. That was more just seeing what teams were going to offer for him. Right. And it's kind of just dangling, you know, some bait out there, so yeah. to speak, and um, see what and the Dodgers bit. And, you know, that obviously did not work out a deal. Rizzo and company probably just doing their due diligence and seeing what – Bryce's market is asking for what yep. they're looking for. Um, I, I again, very similarly to the trade deadline, it would have taken an offer that would have blown them away yep. from the happen, and that don't think an offer would ever be on the table. But back to Murphy, talk about his two and a half seasons here in DC. He was a 3.29 hitter with 99 doubles, 54 homers, and 226 RBIs in two and a half seasons with the Nationals. I mean, that <laughs> is just. Unbelievable, obviously contributing um, in the clubhouse as a leader. Those stats from uh, um, MassInSports.com's Byron Kerr. Yeah, so you're losing a big bet. Obviously, he didn't play the first half of the season due to injury. And talk about his free agency year. Probably wasn't going to come back just because of the injury history, although he was playing better as of late and the money he would command. Um, so it was kind of a salary dump. Murphy was due about $17.5 million this season. So whatever was left of that contract, Chicago's picking up. And uh, the Nationals freeing up some space. And Murphy also going back to the point where Chicago's a good fit. Talk about, you know, a park he likes to hit at. Murphy's a 413 career hitter at Wrigley Field with a 1.142 OPS with seven home runs and 14 oh. RBIs. Not to mention the damage he did in the postseason uh, with the Mets. So he loves Wrigley Field. He loves playing in October there. 
And I'm sure Cubs fans are salivating of the fact that Danny Murphy's coming over to their clubhouse. And kind of funny, we were talking to Mark Zuckerman, and he was saying, uh, you think Danny Murphy crushed the Mets. He's probably going to do the same thing to the Nationals wherever he ends up after this season. Yeah, uh, possibly. I think, you know, I don't know. I think there was some anger or maybe some frustration maybe. from the, yeah. from Murphy towards the Mets that maybe. he didn't get an offer back after he basically carried them to a World Series. <laughs> yeah. and um, Not a title, but brought them to a pennant at least. Yep. Uh, I, I think, you know, he seemed today in his pre- – I don't know. I don't remember how he seemed when he said goodbye in New York, but today in his basically goodbye press conference here in D.C., you know, he seemed very, you know, kind of remorseful that he didn't do enough – to bring a championship here in yep. D.C. and was very thankful for the organization for taking that shot on him. I kind of got choked up because he was kind of emotional about it. So I don't know if he'll have that much uh, anger or frustration towards uh, the Nationals. But, yeah, I mean, he's a great hitter, so you kind of expect him to do some damage wherever he goes against whoever. So he goes to the Cubs, a team that is in first place in their division, and we'll see him in October. Davey Martinez said to both of these guys, we'll see you guys in the playoffs this point the Nationals are seven and a half games out they're facing a critical three-game series here with the Phillies who by the way are not in first place in the division but they do have that second wild card spot I believe they're tied right under the Brewers it's like a three-way tie for I the believe wild so card. yeah wild so spot. a chance now for the Nationals to make up some ground obviously disappointing series ending with that 12 to 1 loss in Miami are they cooked at this point it's a weird thing because I think You might look on the face of this and say the Nationals front office decide this team is done for 2018. They're looking forward to next year. But on the flip side, given that the fact that they're only getting rid of Murphy and Adams for six weeks, they could potentially, in theory, still have enough firepower to make a run at the NL East. Well, there's so many angles here, Paul. Like you mentioned Mark Zuckerman, and he he posted on Twitter, and he was telling us, you know, after he did the All Access show with Sarah Perlman. You know, my hot take is this move doesn't really change their season outcome. Yeah. And I 100% agree with him because, again, like I said, you're getting rid of your worst defender. and You know, if you're looking at it positively, your worst defender and a backup first baseman. So there's still plenty of talent on this team. Wilmer yep. Defoe is a fantastic defensive second baseman, and he's got a little pop to him. doesn't hit for average like Murphy, obviously, but, you know, he's serviceable. And Brian Zimmerman's been hitting great as of late. And, you know, if this offense can keep going and the pitching, you know, this this uh, three-game series against Philly, got Tanner tonight, Steven Strasburg makes his return tomorrow, and uh, uh, Max Scherzer for Thursday's matinee finale, that gives you a good situation to win some games. I, I would also say that it is kind of weird that I feel like there's some mixed messages being sent from the front office and ownership, you know, Mike Rizzo saying up here like that he you know they still believe that this team can play competitive baseball, but yet he mentioned that they're looking forward to 2019. Yeah, yeah. Mark Lerner released a statement yeah. today via the Nationals Twitter saying I still believe in this team, but we're also looking for the future. So it's like, all right, are you do you, are we still competing in 2018? Or are we? I think at this point, you have to pick. You know, it's it's mid August. We're I mean you're seven half games behind. You need to go all in, try to catch these teams, or kind of reel back. And and let's let's bring up Carter Keboom. Let's bring up Victor Robles in September and see what they can do and see where this team's headed. Because I get, this is kind of where we're at at the trade deadline. We're just kind of stuck in limbo. Do yep. you do you sell and kind of play for the future, or do you buy and go for this season? It feels like they're kind of still there. And it's funny because we thought after that trade deadline that they had made a decision, that they had made up their minds, that they were going all in for this season. I believe in this team is what they said, 
and then they didn't. So, you know, obviously the team didn't respond to that the way they had hoped. They'd hoped that maybe lit a fire under them, and like just about everything else that happened to this team, it didn't, uh, and it didn't light a fire under them. This might, weirdly enough, um, I compared this. I just hopped on Instagram Live with Sarah because we're trying to cover this from all angles. And more, Mass Nationals. This trade, by the way, Bobby has more angles than a fifth grade math test. Okay. All right, this how many angles? Thank this you, trade Dad. Has. We hopped on the Instagram Live, and I compared this move to. Uh, the the Cardinals firing their manager midseason because I think it's uh, in the same way that is what maybe the Nationals hoped would happen. The Cardinals fire their manager midseason and have an interim. They end up going on a, a run that the Nationals were on the wrong side of and dominating opponents down the stretch. Now there's still six weeks left, but the Cardinals look like a potential playoff team at this point. They're within striking distance in that wild card race. I believe they're tied with the Phillies uh, as one of they're those. They're in striking distance of their own division. Yeah. They're only three and a half back. Exactly. It lit a fire under them. They were a 500 team, much like the Nats. So could this move have a similar move, have similar effects for the Nationals? I mean, could this be the move where they say, all right, yeah, we're on paper maybe a little bit of a worse team than we were, but now we have younger guys, guys who maybe have a little bit more to prove. And baseball just has a weird way of sometimes you get rid of your best players and you end up being a, a better team. Yeah, it's a great question. It's a question that's been asked a lot here today um, amongst the media members. Uh, my, you know, we asked David Martinez that. I was talking to Madison's Dan Coco and FP Santangelo. That's the big question now that these moves have been made. All right, what's the vibe in the clubhouse now? Are the, can these players still buy in to the fact that hey, we're not that far out? It's seven and a half games. We have three against the Phillies. There we play three in Philadelphia next week. We still have to play the Braves again. So have to play the Cubs and the Cardinals again. Um, you know, it's possible. Again, it's possible, and you know that's the that's where that's the big question. Where is this team's head after these trades? Yeah. Um, are they looking at it as okay? Front office is giving up on us. Let's just play for ourselves. Let's just you know see what we got. Or is it okay? These moves don't dramatically affect our roster or possibly our outcome. We still have a lot of talent here. Yeah. We still have a lot of great pitchers, great bats, uh, great defensive players. Can we buy in? Buy him with yeah. Davey Martinez and back him up and go out and win some ball games. Ryan Zimmerman today in the clubhouse said, you know, for all those people who are putting the blame on Davey, this is not his fault. The players need to play. So can they go out and actually do that? That's going to be the big question. It's also kind of funny because if you were to look at the ideal scenario for this team, obviously ideal scenario number one going into this season is they win the World Series. They're a good, better team. If you looked at the trade deadline and you knew that a couple weeks down the line they were going to be seven and a half games out, I think that hindsight is twenty twenty. Mike Rizzo probably should have sold at the trade deadline. Well, is it the seven and a half games, or is it the way that we got here? Is it right. the, the fact that they went to Chicago and St. Louis and only won two games and blew two games like they did on that Sunday night baseball game yeah. and then the next day in St. Louis, and then also come back home and face the Marlins, who were one of the worst teams in baseball, one of the worst teams in the National League, a team, a, that, a team that you have dominated over <laughs> recent years, and you can't even win two games you're supposed to sweep and you couldn't even win two you only win one I mean this was the I believe it was the Marlins first series win in Nats Park since 2014 which is unbelievable that's almost four years yeah so is that and then a 12 to 1 loss to cap it all off yep. on Sunday is that part of the reason that they decided to do this as opposed to being the seven and a half games back Exactly, uh, and I, I still stick with they probably should have sold at the yeah. trade deadline because if they they have plenty of pieces for the future in 2019 and beyond, they probably should have gotten the most that they absolutely could have for a lot of these guys, 
Murphy wasn't hitting quite as well at that point than he is now, so maybe he might have been... That would have been tough. Would have been tough. But beyond that, Matt Adams probably would, would have been worth a little bit more. Um, you know, yeah. if they really wanted to give up Bryce Harper, he would have been worth more than he probably was to the Dodgers today. A lot of these guys, Gio Gonzalez might have been worth more. He's yeah. had a couple bad outings since then. So they probably should have just said, hey, we're going to punt on 2018 right now in order to be right back at it and great in 2019. Yeah, I mean, I remember you saying that, Paul, and I'm I'm not saying I disagree with you, but to me it was just more back to the question of they needed to make a firm decision as to what to do, and they they found themselves in limbo. And I think that's the main reason why we're here is because they didn't full-out buy, they didn't full-out sell either, and that's kind of why we're here. They decided to stay pat. And like I also said, you know, it was Mike Rizzo making a gamble. He gambled on this team yep. and also gambled on the fact that the Braves and the Phillies would fall. They have Both of those things have not happened. The Braves and Phillies are legit. Mm-hmm. They're good. T- tip of the cap to Philadelphia and Atlanta. They are better than people thought they were. And the Nationals have not played to the level that they're expected to. So it's kind of a bad mixture, and you know, I mean, I don't fault Mike Rizzo for making that gamble because I think I probably would have done the same thing, although I think I would have bought if I was yeah. going to buy into that. Um, but, yeah, it's a tricky question. And, um, you know, I, it's funny. I don't – I would not be surprised to see if, you know, in, in two or three weeks, like mid-September, the Nats are only like three games back. Yeah. would not be surprised. <laughs> I don't know if they'll make a run and actually take the division or they'll take a wild card, but I, I, you and I see it simil- similarly. I think they're going to make a run down the stretch – they're going to light a fire under them. These reinforcements in September will probably help. They'll get within striking distance, and then they'll ultimately fall short. You're getting Strasburg back tomorrow, like I said. Max is, in my opinion, the leading Cy Young candidate. Um, so, yeah, they, they still have something to play for in these last six weeks. And, and Kelvin Herrera, by the way, Kelvin coming Herrera's off the back. disabled list. Yep, and uh, you know, who knows about Sean Doolittle, but hopefully get him back for September Yep, and um, be able to lock, in, lock down some ball games. Um yeah, it's a good emergency pod, Paul. Good emergency pod, Bob. Anything else to add? Glad we found we considered the electrical closet for this because that's how desperate we were to find a place to record this podcast. The things we do for our listeners. Really. You know, you're welcome, frankly. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. I know you guys were dying to it. We're getting all these kind of tweets rolling in. Where's <laughs> the podcast? Where are Bobby and Paul? So you're welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. At Paul Mancano on Twitter. At me. Bobby underscore Blanco that's is him. where you can find me. At Mass Nationals throughout all the Twitter spheres, all different types of social media, please give us a follow as we'll have you covered throughout the rest of the national season and maybe even October. I don't know. Potentially. I love how you just combined them and said Nationals. And I think I think that is a new thing. A new. I'm shocked that it took us this long. Follow us on Mass Nationals. (laughs) Yes, not Nationals. Not Nationals. Mass Nationals. Exactly. Uh, Benson Alexis podcast by Blanco Paul Mancano. We'll talk to you later.